This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is a sobering day here at Clutch Fans. Um, James Harden has been traded, something that's hung over the uh, franchise here since training camp, since even before training camp, uh, and it's actually happened. And to make things you know, worse, better, however you want to describe it, he's been traded to the exact destination he wanted to go to, which is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, in exchange, um, it's a 14 deal, including Cleveland. Uh, and Indiana as well. And in exchange, the Rockets get four first-round draft picks, uh, three of them from Brooklyn, 2022, 24, and 26, a 2022 pick from Milwaukee, and four first-round pick swaps, the right to, to swap draft picks with Brooklyn as well. That's in 2021 this year, probably worthless this year, 2023, 25, and 27. And they received Victor Oladipo from Indiana, Dante Exum from Cleveland, and Rodion's Kuruks, if I'm saying that correctly, um, from Brooklyn. And that's a blockbuster, folks. And it's not the kind that the Rockets uh, historically love, where it catapults them into contention or improved contention status. This is a, a, a stretch we're about to go through where the Rockets are, are rebuilding, retooling, however you want to describe it, and looking for opportunities to, to get new stars. My guest today is... The one and only David Weiner, Bema Thug, on uh, you know him on Twitter, on the, of the forums, and just a, a guy who, in an inside and out, knows the cap. He's a lawyer here in Houston, um, and just knows his stuff. And he's a big fan, and I love to, to have him on. David, man, thanks for coming in. My pleasure as always, Dave. Uh, you know, this is—I um, don't even want to say bittersweet. That's the wrong word. I think this is just—it's disappointing. Uh, I think, I think when. The Rockets brought in Westbrook, and if it didn't work, I think we, we knew that this was going to eventually happen. I don't think we expected it after year one, uh, and I don't think we expected it this way. I think Harden uh, sadly kind of revealed some character flaws in how he handled it. This is just my opinion. Um, and I, I think it's it's uh, upsetting to a lot of fans here in Houston to, to watch how this whole thing went down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> bittersweet, you're right, it's probably not the – Right, where it's more like bitter, bitter. Yeah. Um, it, you know, from all reports, the um, trade discussions were were coming to a head even before Harden's post game press conference uh, after the Lakers game, um, and it, it looks like Harden just kind of nudged it over the edge. Uh, I, I, at the time, we didn't realize how far along. I'm not sure I would call it a nudge, but I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, violently shoved um, trade talks over the edge. But, I mean, it sounds like talks with Brooklyn and with Philly uh, were very, very advanced even before the, the Lakers game. And, um, you know, I, I, 
there was quite likely a trade was going to happen this week anyway. So it's just very, very, very unfortunate that Harden made the comments he did. I think, uh, you know, per, per, in, you know, in his defense, if, if the goal was to be traded and he thought that the trade wasn't going to go through if he didn't say something, you know, you, you, you can kind of at least rationalize why he did it, but it's just, it's really unfortunate. You know, I'm still always going to love James Harden just for all that he's done for the franchise over the years. He's, I think, quite clearly the second best rocket of all time. He led what was probably the greatest Rockets team ever, which is that 17-18 team with Chris Paul. Uh, I think that team beats either of the Rockets championship teams, as great as Hakeem was. And just it was unfortunate we could never win a ring with him. And now it looks like that's never going to happen. Uh, I wish him well with Brooklyn, but it's, it really is a bitter pill to swallow today after just the, the really negative comments he made. And I wish he hadn't said anything. And I just, I'm trying to keep things, my, I'm trying to keep my own, uh, image and view of Harden. Kind of how it's it's been for 99.9% of his tenure here, and I'm trying not to let this last part completely ruin the rest. Or maybe I'll let it ruin it for a little while, and I'll get over it. Yeah, and I'm, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, uh, I'm sure, a big enough fan that you've already seen you know, what Harden did say, and that was after the, the second blowout loss, uh, home loss against the Lakers. He came out and said the Rockets weren't even you know close to contention. They weren't close to good enough, and, um, you know, he said basically that he didn't think this situation could be fixed. They weren't good enough chemistry-wise, talent-wise. And when he said, I didn't think it could be fixed, you know, obviously I was uh, I was trying to tweet that out. And I got nervous before I hit submit. I'm like, did I mishear him? I mean, like, did, did he say, I think it can be fixed? Or, you know, I don't think it can be fixed. Did I, did I hear that in my head? Because that is such a, you know, uncharacteristic thing for to hear any player say that and throw your teammates under the bus, even if you are getting traded. I mean, it's, it blows my mind. I really didn't even think Harden, uh, you know, and I know his, some of his character flaws. I didn't think he would ever do that. Anything like that. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to stain his uh, resume a little bit, but you know, most people who, who uh, follow Harden won't care. And they're just going to, you know, hoping he can win a title. Um, I mean, I, 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 you know, a good point of comparison might be Tracy McGrady, who, you know, skill-wise is, is, is I think, uh, you know, on par with Harden, although he's not as accomplished a player as Harden was. I think Harden realized his potential more than McGrady. But when McGrady left, by the time McGrady left the Rockets, he was persona non grata. And I think most fans, there's still a segment that still dislikes McGrady, but um, the large contingent of Rockets fans have come back around and now – you know, look back fondly at McGrady and, you know, if he were, if he were to walk into the bar you were drinking at, you'd buy him a drink. And, you know, um, time people had a lot of negative things to say about McGrady after he left. So, you know, time heals all wounds. That's exactly right. I mean, in, in time, people will look back just at all the, the, the great things that Harden did. And he did a lot of great things. I mean, I, I will. You won't see me criticize Harden, the player, very often, if at all, because I feel like his talent is uh, not appreciated enough. I mean, I think he's just offensively just as close to perfection as you can get. I, he's not a perfect player, but he's just very, very good offensively. He's an incredible weapon, and he can find the open man. 
He can uh, get to the basket. He can draw fouls. He can shoot threes, and he can create his own offense. Uh, he can make the right alley-oop pass. I mean, he's just – offensively, he's a gift. And I think, you know, it, it, going to Brooklyn to play with Durant, just those two alone with some good supporting role players, it, that's a championship-caliber team. Uh, you know, Kyrie's another story, and I, I'm not a, a big believer or a big fan of Kyrie, but um, he's obviously very talented as well. They'll have to – and, of course – with the Rockets now owning those picks, David, I mean, I, I do hope that this thing implodes. I, I, I can, I respect Harden, uh, his, his talent and what he did for the Rockets. I, there is some bitterness. I'm not going to lie, but I would like to see him, uh, win. I, I'd like to see him get what he could to, you know, the, get that ring to validate his career. And I think some of this bitterness will eventually subside, but I'm, I, you know, I'm a Rocket fan first and it overrides, you know, the fact that, um, you know, the Rockets own those picks. I mean, I want to see Brooklyn just crash and, and burn in flames. That's basically what I think would be, <laughs> well, would be great what, for the Rockets. I think the scenario I'm looking for is Brooklyn has a disappointing regular season, falls to a low playoff seating in the East, making that draft pick a potentially better, then soars through the playoffs, Harden wins a ring this year, and then Kyrie burns everything to the ground after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Kyrie is just a really interesting guy. He's on a different uh, intelligence plane than I am, apparently, because I don't quite understand all the things that he he thinks through and goes through. And obviously, he's, he's a um, you know, as far as being socially conscious, that's fantastic. I actually support him and all that, but I just I don't fully understand a guy who doesn't want to play basketball when you know, he's a basketball player. It's just it, it doesn't. Um, register with me so I was personally hoping that the Rockets would not be you know acquiring Kyrie when this thing started to come to a head here with Harden and Kyrie was just randomly gone I thought oh man they, they could do something like this where the Rockets get some picks but then I started to love the idea of getting some picks from Brooklyn flipping Kyrie to a team like Miami or something and you know double dipping on this on this move but I think as far as picks go David I think Rafael Stone um, knocked it out of the park. I thought he got an A in my in my book for the picks that he got. He maximized that. As far as the players he gets, Oladipo, I give this maybe a C plus, B minus. Uh, I, I you know obviously wanted a young piece that they could. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily build around, but could be a one, two, or three. Um, you know, as far as your best players uh, in a future rebuild. So I was looking at guys like Simmons. Um, Jalen Brown, Tyler Harrow, maybe Michael Porter Jr. I, those were the guys that you were, were kind of hoping for. Uh, Oladipo, I mean, nobody thought of that. I mean, nobody thought of that possibility. It's it's interesting. It keeps them maybe competing for a playoff spot this year. But I think also coming up to the trade deadline, they could flip Oladipo. He is an expiring contract. What, you know, as far as the salary and everything, what did you see as far as what the Rockets did here? Um. Yeah, well, um, and, and I'll echo your sentiments, David, on the picks. You know, I think Rafael did a great job of getting, I mean, literally the most he could possibly get out of, uh, out of Brooklyn and then also getting uh, an extra pick out of Cleveland with that Milwaukee pick. Um, I did, you know, part of me thinks that would you have rather just taken Jared Allen, um, instead of that Milwaukee pick? It's an unprotected Milwaukee pick, so you know, if, you know, God forbid the Bucks have some injuries next year, 
Um, uh, you know, that could be a decent pick, but you know, I'm, I'm also a longhorn. So uh, <laughs> I like Jared Allen a lot. Adam. He's and, due uh, for a payday though. He's obviously restricted free. Agent oh, no, no, I, yeah. I would have taken him to flip him for a better okay. pick than I the see. Milwaukee pick. Um, cause I just, I think Allen's that good, but I agree that, uh, Allen on the Rockets probably wouldn't a good fit because he, he, you're right. He's looking for a payday this summer. I would have flipped him for another pick and, the question is whether, you know, I have to imagine that Stone considered that, looked looked around to see what kind of pick he could get, and the Milwaukee pick was the best he could do, in which case, you know, then that's the, the logic tracks, and you make that move, and you get the extra pick. Um, Oladipo is interesting. You know, it's, uh, it's a little surprising that we ended up with Oladipo, not so surprising in the process that led us there, because it's really – we flipped Levert for, for Oladipo, who I think is a, a better player. Um, and, and it makes sense for Indiana to get a younger guy on a, uh, on a longer term deal. Uh, but like you said, Oladipo, he's an expiring contract. He's 21 million this year. Um, he, part of the reason Indiana traded him is because I think he is looking to get paid this summer when tons of teams are going to have cap room. They're going to have stupid money to throw around like in 2016. And if Oladipo comes here and plays well, he's going to get paid, you know, by the Rockets or someone else. And, and I also agree with you that, that part of the thought process here is probably that because he's an expiring contract, he might be an attractive trade asset at the trade deadline. Yeah. And, um, uh, I know Bobby Marks had said that, uh, Oladipo can be re- repackaged in trades. Uh, by early March. So the Rockets, if they did want to put together some package of, of players and picks, including Oladipo at the trade deadline, they can do that. And of course they can trade Oladipo by himself at any time. Um, and then the, the, on the other two players we got, I think Dante Exum, once was a high ceiling guy, I think he's pure salary filler here. And then Karuk's, um, intriguing young player. Uh, a little bit of a trouble off, off the court. Um, he may or may not be a piece that they can look at. I think they're just going to get a free look at him now. They have a team option on him, on him for next year. He's basically making the minimum. You know, they could dump him if he's not a good fit. And, you know, he could surprise and be, you know, a nice ninth man or something. But I'm not holding my breath on that. This was about the picks. And you, know, you know who the big loser in this was? is Sergio Yule. I mean, if he had just stayed here, the draft rights had just stayed here. Streak of always mentioning Sergio Yule. Yeah. The podcast continues. This, he, I mean, this was his opportunity, right? He could have, he could have been all about the Houston Rockets at that point. He could have been a star, but you know, that's uh, neither here nor there. He's with the Knicks, or he is. No, it is here. Right. It is exactly here. Sergio <laughs> Yule is exactly here. Uh, let me ask you this. So this is just, I've had somebody uh, on Twitter and on the board as well ask about this. How do you work the, um, you know, the Rockets have the right to swap picks with the Nets this year. And it's unlikely that that's going to be, you know, anything because the Nets are probably going to be pretty darn good this year and picking way down at the bottom. But the Rockets also from the Westbrook trade, uh, the original Westbrook trade with OKC, um, have basically given up swap rights to OKC and OKC also owns, or I believe Miami. Take me through that real quick, because the OKC has the right, I believe, to swap out, to, to take two of those picks of the three, and then Houston gets the other. 
Correct. So um, before we made the very ill-fated Russell Westbrook trade, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but I, don't, I didn't think it was a very good trade. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma City uh, owned the Miami Heat's 2021 first-round pick outright, completely unprotected. Okay. So um, in, in what is a little bit of an unusual move, when the Rockets agreed to, to a pick swap right in 2021, Oklahoma City wisely said, well, we got not just our pick, we have Miami's pick. So instead of us swapping between the two picks, we're going to take all three, and whichever one is the worst goes to Houston, and we keep the best two. So um, th- this is actually, uh, you know, and I, it, it didn't click initially when they announced the trade. I, I, like you, thought, okay, well, this is the 2021 pick swap is absolutely worthless. And I think that's not necessarily the case. Interesting. Uh, because the Rockets are stuck with a potentially bad first round pick this year due to that pick, the, the, the Russell Westbrook trade pick swap. It, it is conceivable that the Miami Heat, for example, could finish with a better record than Brooklyn. In which case, Oklahoma City would first stick us with the Miami pick and take our pick. And then the Rockets, I believe, can take that Miami pick and swap it for the Brooklyn pick and maybe move up a couple of spots. See, now, how, I, how, that, I don't mean to interrupt, but how do they determine the order? Because the, the OKC trade was first? Is that how they – Yeah, Right. But it's an existing obligation that the Rockets have. They, they can't shirk their obligation to the Thunder just because they made a subsequent trade. So I think the initial pick swap has to play out first. And then whatever the resulting pick, Houston is guaranteed to have one of those picks. Whatever the right. resulting pick that Houston has, they can swap that pick for the Brooklyn pick. And you're probably right that Brooklyn probably finishes ahead of of Miami, but it's not a certainty. Well, let me let me say this. This is just my uh, soapbox moment. I, you know, I'm I, I you hate losing a guy like James Harden when this first you know, started to come about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, whatever it was that James Harden wanted out. I mean, that was a crushing blow. The fact that it actually happened now, it's it's really not as painful to me because we've been basically adjusting to this for, for so long. I think it sucks to lose James Harden, a guy like James Harden, period. But if you've watched this team for the last week or two, I'm just fine losing James Harden. He wasn't giving his his best effort in Steven Silas's system. The players all came out and practiced today and, uh, you know, several of them were pretty much confessing to the disrespect that they felt from Harden early on, even not not just from that interview uh, the other day. And so, uh, to me, you know, it's it, you hate to lose a guy like James Harden, but I don't think this team was contending with James Harden um, because he wasn't buying in, and they weren't able to make that happen. I think in a few years you'll be glad they made this trade. Just like I said, when they made the Westbrook trade, if you like it now in a few years, and you, you and I both said the same thing, in a few years you may not, and it really only took about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Rockets are in a really tough spot as far as their draft capital from the Westbrook trade, but this bolsters their situation greatly. And, you know, like I said, if, if the Westbrook trade has taught us anything, things can change in the NBA quickly. I mean, those are three very big egos, three huge talents, but very big egos in KD, Harden, and um, and uh, Durant. And I think Durant's probably the most stable of the three, and, and I think Harden's going to be just fine as well. But there's potential there for 
you know, guys not getting theirs, things blowing up, somebody wants out. Uh, you know, things can change. If, if only there was a prior example of Kyrie Irving wanting to walk away from a championship contender <laughs> over egos. Right. I, you're exactly right. So, you know, anything can happen. And you have these picks unprotected. The Rockets, the picks they gave up to OKC, at least have some protections attached to them. Even the swap rights this year, if the Rockets somehow ended up in the top four, then they don't have to swap that pick with OKC and that, that uh, draft right swap just vanishes. It doesn't become any other obligation. So the Rockets have at least some protection from the very top four, or in some cases, I believe top 10 uh, in those picks. The, the Brooklyn didn't give up. I mean, they didn't have any protection on those picks. And when you're going to own a, a 20, 2024 and 2026 pick, you have no idea who the Brooklyn Nets are going to have on their roster at that time. You have no idea, who, even if these guys are under contract, KD, uh, Harden, uh, and Kyrie at that time, if they're going to be healthy. So to me, they scored big time. Whether you actually wait out to that period of time, like Boston Celtics, or you trade those picks uh, for you know players that you want in a couple of years. And I think they're – go ahead. Yeah, and, and Dave, I think the – you know, you can debate w- w- which approach you, you necessarily want to take, but something interesting to look at is that that Stone could have asked for four first-round picks from Brooklyn in each of the odd years, uh, 2021, 20, 23, 25, 27. Instead, he took three picks in the even years because 24 and 26 are the years the Rockets are likely going to have to trade their picks to Oklahoma City. So this way, the Rockets are guaranteed to have at least one first-round pick every year going forward into the into the rest of the decade. So you know, like you said, that, that you know, there are all these risks that still are out there from the Westbrook trade and the picks they have from the city. And I think by structuring the trade the way that Stone did, he mitigated the downside risk that oh maybe that you know 2024 turns out to be a great draft. You know, there's, there's rumors that, that in a few years there's, they're going to allow high schoolers back in and that famous quote unquote double draft is going to be one of the great draft classes of all time. Uh, you know, I, I still think it's probably going to be 2023, but if it, if it pushes into 2024, now the Rockets got to pick in that draft. If they, had, if they had missed out completely on that draft, they'd be killing, they'd be kicking themselves. So now they have themselves set up nicely with a steady stream of picks coming in. You know, would I rather have control of my own pick and be able to control whether you, you know, I don't want to say tank, but whether you rebuild vigorously uh, with young players? Um, yes, probably. But I think the Rockets have positioned themselves as well as they possibly could be given the circumstances they were in recently. And, and the good news is they will have two years if they opt to go that way of a clean rebuild, I mean, they could completely tank. And I don't mean intentionally lose, but I'm saying they, they do have their picks in 2022 and 2023 um, outright. And there's no, uh, you know, they haven't traded those picks and there's nothing on there. The, the uh, after this pick swap this year, the obligation picks up again uh, with OKC back in 2024. Um, Correct. So, that, that's, that's the window to do it. 22 and 23. If you're going to, bottom out those are definitely the years to do it and i will say that and i know you i know you're heading there eventually but um another reason i was glad they picked the rockets chose to hire steven silas is that i I feel just as comfortable with him trying to lead a contender as i do with him trying to lead a, a rebuilding roster of young players and 
And my God, I, who I feel the most for, and that's all of this, is, is poor Steven Silas. Oh, 100%. I mean, he just got the rawest of deals. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I just don't understand uh, quite exactly everything that went wrong. Westbrook wanting out, uh, Harden wanting out, uh, you know, obviously Daryl leaving, Mike D'Antoni. And, and this, now that Harden is traded and the trade's, you know, going to become official, it hasn't, uh, at the time of this podcast, it has not become official yet. You're going to see all kinds of all kinds of negative Rocket reports after this because, you know, the Rockets lost an entire coaching staff. They lost an entire, pretty much entire front office. Now Harden's out. The guy that they, that a lot of these people wanted is out. So there's really nothing that that uh, you know is going to be held back on the Rockets now. I think you're going to see Harden's camp try to re- repair his reputation, and you're going to see a lot of anti-Tillman stuff, a lot of anti-Rocket stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to tell you not to believe it, but take it with a grain of salt because there's motive there. Uh, and, and and I think, you know, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta uh, deserves some criticism. I just don't think that this was entirely on him. And I was going to ask you, how do you think Daryl Morey's day was? I mean, here he is. He's obviously negotiating to try to get James Harden, and he's been a massive James Harden fan. And it slipped through his fingers. Didn't happen. I'm curious what you think his day was like yeah i mean i'm wondering that myself and i and i have to actively wonder you know i, I think it all comes down to he must have really liked tyrese maxi because yeah. it sounds like that was the holdup and maxi's gonna either go on to be the next great sixers combo guard or he's the next roddy Bobois. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know who roddy Bobois is uh, he was a young, a very young combo guard on the Dallas. Dallas Mavericks who Mark Cuban fell in love with and, and a lot of NBA nerds fell in love with and is believed to have been the last piece the Mavericks would not part with in a trade for Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> and Roddy Bobois faded out of it, faded out of the NBA. I think he's playing in Europe right now. And, uh, and the Mavericks ended up winning a championship, so I don't think they have major regrets. But <laughs> to not have gotten a player of Kobe Bryant's caliber over a guy like Roddy Bobois, will, will Daryl look at Tyrese Maxey the same way? Because uh, it sounds like the, that he could have gotten harder today if he had if he had parted. You know, Simmons he was already ready to trade. Um, you know, it, it probably wouldn't need, needed to have been Simmons Maxey. Maybe Matisse Thibault and, you know, obviously not as many picks as Brooklyn gave up. Um, and, you know, I got to say, I, you know, part of me kind of wishes that that was the trade, um, depending yeah. on what the draft capital was, because because I really like Maxi Simmons, I think, is, a um, you know, the likelihood that any of the assets you get get out of those picks is as good as Ben, as ben Simmons is, is not very high. Um, so, you know, I was kind of leaning towards a, a Philly package, but if they weren't including Maxi, then that may have tipped the scales for Brooklyn. And, you know, and so Daryl knows, he, you know, he played, played a dangerous game, didn't want to give it one to play hardball and he, he didn't get his man. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Daryl's. I'm, you are as well. And I think he, I personally believe he did a fantastic job with the Rockets, not sliding that, at all but i think that a lot of times you know with the rockets it was they were so close to executing something and i have to wonder if this is another one of those so close moments 
And if it really came down to Tyrese Maxey, I mean, he better hope Maxey really pans out because, you know, or that he's not another Jeremy Lamb, basically. Like, hey, I could have given that up and, it, you know, it would have been getting, I would say, my Harden, and it actually is Harden. So, you know, I, I, I don't I have a hard time thinking that was the only gotcha. I think that the, the draft compensation was probably significantly better. Uh, I mean, I'm not probably, it definitely was, but, uh, you know, I don't think the, uh, the Sixers were probably offering near the draft capital that. But, but wait, Dave, Daryl Morey traded all those picks for Russell Westbrook all by himself with no influence whatsoever. <laughs> so why wouldn't he do it now? Yeah, exactly. There was that, no outside influence whatsoever on that, on that trade. Um, yeah. So to me, I, you know, I, I think he's probably quite disappointed. I, I wanted Simmons, but you know what? I think it, when it, as this started to happen, uh, on Wednesday, I was really hoping that they were going to get a bunch of picks and somehow get Tyler Harrow. I, I know a lot of fans don't think he's all that um, and a bag of chips, but I think that this is a guy, he's 20 years old, could, could is a fantastic shooter, very fast, always willing to move around without the ball. I think he would have fit really well with John Wall and would have been a, a guy you could, you could fit in in any system um, the way he plays. Um, I don't think he's you know, the best player on a title team. Um, but I think he's a guy that you, you know, could be a, a third best, maybe, maybe second best player on a title team. Um, and is, is probably a little bit underrated. I think he's a very, very good player, but that, that obviously didn't happen. I, I still hold out hope that maybe Miami looks for a change and, and something like Oladipo could be involved in a trade for Harrow. But, um, I, I just want to see the Rockets add pieces. And I think that the, the draft picks that they did great, um, I don't, you know, I don't think they have any, maybe Christian Wood, but I don't think they have anything that says this is our foundation, our building block for the future. Christian Wood is obviously the hope, but, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about him as well. I think he's been fantastic offensively. I think defensively he's, he's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think we're back to the days of, of, you know, 2011, 2012, you know, where we're, we're trying to find pieces. We're trying to pick up assets to get that next star to start the process all over again. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, John Wall is like our Luis Scola right now. <laughs> There's <laughs> a good love, comparison. Yeah. Love better. But yeah, no, I think that's where we are. Uh, I know some people have, uh, you know, seen the signs and, you know, you gotta be careful what you wish for, you know, those that want, just want to see Harden leave, just get ready. It, we were spoiled by him. It's going to be a long, tough slog without Harden. Um, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy rooting for a lot of the players we have. I'm going to enjoy watching uh, to see what, what Silas uh, draws up for these guys and uh, some, how some of the young players develop. Um, I, of course, you know, you and I actually have something to talk about during uh, being a draft party. <laughs> You're right. Uh, going forward. Uh, <laughs> So there's a lot to look forward to and be um, interested in and enjoy. But the the joy of winning a whole lot of basketball games is something we're probably not going to feel for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, there's disappointment when I think about the fact that, you know, I, I wanted the Rockets to beat the Warriors. I wanted the Rockets to beat LeBron James. Um, I, I wanted those things to happen. And that, it's not going to happen. And I, I don't think. It, while those eras are still going, um, Steph Curry, uh, LeBron James, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to, the Rockets aren't going to rebuild the contention status 
by then. Um, I, I enjoy this process, believe it or not. I like to see the Rockets try to, to rebuild and, and acquire somebody. I think Houston's an attractive location. We're back to focusing on taxes and weather and, um, you know, fan base and all those things to try to attract somebody. I, I think it's going to be tough, like you said, without Harden. I, it's already tough for me now. Just watching, and I love John Wall. I, I, I've been impressed with him. But just watching him dribble up and take an 18-19 footer, I sometimes think to myself, man, you know, the – I understand we're going to add the mid-range game to our uh, to the arsenal, but you know this just isn't the most efficient you know way to, of playing basketball. And I think the Rockets have a. I think we're going to see what Steven Silas intended. I don't think we could have seen it with Harden. Um, there was just too much of a conflict, too many agendas, and that brings me really to my next point: is what happens to PJ Tucker now? <laughs> and, and what happens maybe even to Eric Gordon? I mean, I think Eric Gordon's – PJ is an easy trade, right? He's an expiring contract, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he has some guaranteed money next year. Um, and, you know, the, he's attractive. He, a lot of teams would love to have him. I still think Philly could acquire him with that traded player exception and perhaps an asset as well. Uh, you know, something else has to happen here because I think the Rockets are now just in stockpile assets mode and uh, – you know, there's no reason to tank this year, but at the same time, they're they're looking towards the future. Agreed. I mean, I think you talk about, you know, uh, of course, the team trades hard into the highest bidder. Um, but, you know, part of you wants to make sure that you're trading the, the player that's done so much for the organization to a situation that that would help the player out. I feel very strongly about that for P.J., um, I think he belongs on a contender. He's, uh, you know, he's the kind of player that's not going to help a middling team very much, but he can help a contender a hell of a lot. Um, will will a, a good team give up a late first round pick for Tucker? I hope so. Uh, although the fact that, you know, like we said before, if Jared Allen only nets you a Milwaukee first round pick, um, you know, I don't know. You know, it could be that you get resistance to anyone giving you a first rounder for PJ. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Stone is probably looking for one. Um, you mentioned uh, Philadelphia seems like it would be a, a great fit for for PJ. Um, you want, and he fits right into that uh, trade player exception that the, the Sixers have. Although you wonder if the Philly ownership is willing to pay the tax bill. They're already pretty deep into the tax already uh, right now and. Um, you know, PJ would, would push that bill up, bill up pretty, pretty high. Um, but yeah, I think I'd look to move PJ to a contender for a first round pick if you can get one. I think, you know, they might move Oladipo for something. It, Gordon, Gordon and John Wall, um, I see a lot of people say, oh, well, then we'll just trade them or we'll trade them in the summer. And, you know, my personal opinion is if you're in asset accumulation mode right now, you know, that, <laughs> Rafael Stone just traded James Harden for a package that didn't really include, you know, Oladipo's pretty good, but, you know, nothing to write home about. It was really for picks. Why why make a move that might require you to throw picks in to move a player? So, you know, I think you might have to, you, know, you might have to throw in a pick to move Eric Gordon. Uh, you know, you'll probably have to throw in at least one pick to move John Wall. Uh, frankly, I'd rather just hold on to them. I like them both as players. I think they can help the Rockets on the court. 
and you can keep those picks. Think of it as as trading whatever trade you were going to make for John Wall and Eric Gordon and multiple draft picks. Yeah, I mean, it, I think people are probably looking at the model of, uh, you know, Chris Paul with OKC that they acquired two picks and two pick swaps to take him on, more or less. I mean, granted, they were also giving up Westbrook. Uh, there, I guess there was some perceived value there. But they traded Chris Paul out for a first-round pick and, and, and taking it, on some expiring costs. I mean, people, people are citing that example, but it is so, so unique. Chris Paul was second-team All-NBA and was far and away the most clutch player in the entire NBA that year. John Wall and Eric Gordon aren't remotely approaching that kind of production where there would be such a violent swing in value from perceived negative asset to, you know, slight positive asset, even with his large salary. Like, I think Chris Paul is almost the exception that proves the rule that you can't move these contracts. Sure. I guess it just depends on what you're, what you're taking back or, or, you know, needs and all that. I mean, if you're taking back salary for two more years, I mean, when, when you get to this year, to this off season, uh, John Wall will have two more years left. Um, so I guess that's what we're waiting for next. I, I do think PJ gets traded. I don't think he necessarily – I don't think they'll let that asset just walk, and that's what he's going to do. Um, so I think that they'll, you'll see him gone before the March deadline. Uh, Gordon, like you said, is is tough to move. Uh, you know, I don't know who you can get for him. Uh, he's It's killing me, David, to watch his three-point shooting. I just don't understand – how a guy who won the three-point shooting contest just a few years ago is has become this bad at shooting three-pointers. I mean, he was a in, in this 2017-18 season, he was deadly. I mean, the, when they really took off, I mean, you, you were seeing Eric Gordon knock shots from 25, 30 feet down, uh, and and he could get really, really hot. That's not been the case this year, and um, that's been a big problem. I mean, three-point shooting in general with this team is is pretty much an eyesore, and it's not. Uh, gotten better, obviously, with Daniel House out. Um, but that's kind of the state of the Rockets right now. Is just waiting to see what the next trade is. We we want to see how this team plays. I don't think anyone's thinking, okay, now we're uh, you know going to the playoffs, top four seed. I think that they can battle it out for the playoff for a playoff spot. But if the West is is very tough. Um, but I think lifer Rocket fans are thinking, what's the next move? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it is going to be tough when they make the playoffs. But, you know, I, I honestly have no idea where they go from here. You know, I, I think bottoming out is, you know, might be the move here. And, and they can bottom out while keeping John Wall and Eric Gordon. And, and for what it's worth, I do think Gordon, if you kind of plug him, you know, into like the Harden role or, or, you know, we have Oladipo and Gordon instead of Harden and Gordon. You know, I, I like what Gordon's doing, driving to the rim. You know, maybe we'll see more of that. The spacing will be a little different. But, I mean, it, it really is, you know, th- there was always some direction when you had Harden because you kind of knew the pieces they needed to put around him. But now there's no player around whom you need to build. So they really could go anywhere. Uh you know, I think they're going to look to move pieces for picks. You know, I personally wouldn't move. I wouldn't move anyone that would require you to throw in assets. I think there, there should be an asset accumulation mode, full yeah. board, kind of like Oklahoma City. 
So what, what do you think about Christian Wood so far? I mean, we're, we're looking now building blocks, right? I mean, I, he's, he's certainly way better than a Jordan Hill type player. I think he's got, you know, offensively, I think you can compare well, him. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's, that's some hallowed ground. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's he's got some, you know, some poor man's Anthony Davis in on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he's got potential there. It's just that Anthony Davis is such a defensive stud that you, you just – you can't really compare the two players. I think Christian Wood has that potential. I think he's got to bulk up a little bit, get, got to get stronger, uh, and that's still quite possible. Um, and I think he's got to learn more. He's got the confidence, David. I think he's got the he's got the belief that he's going that he is great and he's going to be even better. Um, but it just you know you're expecting this guy really relatively inexperienced as far as being big minutes center in the NBA. Uh, to be your communicator, your your rim protector, your anchor of the defense, and he's got a long way to go, I think, in that aspect. Yeah, and I agree that offensively he looks terrific. Uh, he's everything that he was billed billed as, um, you know, when they when they did the sign and trade for him. Uh, the three point shooting's falling off. I'd like to see that pick up again. And then, yeah, defensively, work in progress is an understatement. He's He's pretty, he's pretty bad. Other than I think, I forget what the game was. If it was one of the Sacramento games or the Orlando game where he turned it on in the fourth quarter and was just unbelievable at the rim. And other than that one quarter of basketball, he's been pretty atrocious defensively, in my opinion. Um, yeah. you know, you know, I'm a big, uh, proponent of boxing out and just the contrast between him and PJ Tucker when the shot goes up. Man, he, he, he's got to learn some more defensive fundamentals. But, uh, like, I, I do agree. I think especially now that he, for the first time in his, in his life, he's got, a, he's got a big money contract and the team is looking to him to be one of their, their leaders and centerpieces, that confidence that you, can, that you can tell. I mean, he just did a podcast with, with, uh, with Woj, and, and you can tell he just exudes confidence and, and that it's really um, – you know, I, I think that's going to translate into him getting better each year. So I have some confidence that, that he'll continue to get better. You know, I, I just at this point in time, you know, I think he he's more stats than substance. Right. Uh, but I think he'll, I think he has the ability to get to where he needs to be. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's an accurate assessment. I, I think, you know, for me, I'm tempted to move him to power forward, have Boogie start. Um but I think you, you know, Silas said it. His his advantage is at the five, where he, you know, can stretch the floor. If you put him as a four, I mean, a lot of teams have stretch fours in the league. Um, you know, now you want to go five out, and that's his advantage there. So, and I think you're now there's no urgency to contend in the sense that you know James Harden's here. We need to, you know, go go go. Now you're you're rebuilding or retooling, and and you need to develop uh, Christian Wood as a center. So. You know, I, I like the players that are here. I'm not convinced they're going to go out there and, and light the world on fire. But I like watching John Wall. I like watching DeMarcus Cousins. I like Christian Wood. And, you know, hopefully Victor Oladipo will, will be enjoyable to watch. And that, I think that's what I'm excited about right now, David, honestly, is just being able to turn the Rockets game on, watch it, and, and know that these guys are, are busting it. And I know that, that people will say in a month that that's, you know, overrated. I want to get some wins. But, uh, you know, dealing with James Harden and all of his 
uh, you know, demands or, or the control that he had over the organization. I mean, we owe him a lot. I mean, the Rockets were put on the map again because of him. I mean, and they were, for, you know, better or worse, they were at the top of the mountaintop there where, before Chris Paul got injured that season. They were an incredible team. It just, so many things fell apart. And I think we've talked about this on the previous podcast. I think Harden's ego played a big factor in, in this all falling apart. Just like I think Westbrook's play did, uh, Tillman Fertitta's you know, ownership did, I, there's, there's other factors as well. I'm not saying it's just um, you know, James Harden, but I, I, to me, that was sort of the linchpin for this thing falling apart, is forcing that Westbrook trade, using his, his star power. And I think that's, David, what, what's frustrating me a little bit about the NBA in general is this whole player empowerment era. I'm, I'm all for the players having some some leverage, some control, some some power. But in the NBA, I mean, when, when you're a James Harden, you're a Kevin Durant, you're a LeBron James, you have all the power. I mean, Anthony Davis had years on his contract and could just, you know, more or less quit the team or or completely trash the team and, and get his way. God, he got exactly where he wanted to go. Uh, James Harden, same deal. Kyrie Irving's just chilling, you know, just doing whatever he wants to do, and he's getting paid. So, there's it's it's a little bit frustrating because these unique superstar talents are so unique that they can kind of get away with wherever they want. And I think that's what it unfortunately got to be here with James Harden. Supply and demand. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's not like the NFL, right? I mean, the NFL has unique elite talents, but you know, they're, you know, you go, you get a first round pick in the NFL and you're going to get somebody who's, who's great plays right away. I mean, MLB, there's a lot of players coming in and out as well. I mean, there's, there's superstar talents, but in the NBA, one superstar player changes everything for you. You know, I mean, just look at the, the, the guys that joined LA this year simply because they won the title and, and LeBron James was there and Anthony Davis. I mean, you know, they, they add Mark Gasol on the cheap and, and, you know, get Montrez and get Schroeder. And it, it to me, it's just, you know, the rich will get richer and, uh, you need one of those guys to start accumulating the, the big pieces. And that's what James Harden gave the Rockets. Now the Rockets start the process over again, but, you know, at least they have a little bit of freedom and, uh, you know, aren't controlled or, you know, at the mercy of a superstar player. And guess what, Dave? You, you might not believe this, but the Rockets are now below the luxury tax threshold. I wonder if they're going to go peek back up over it. Yeah. Um, so actually, that's a that's a good point. So um, where are they as far as like, I mean, obviously they with what they took back, they, they took back less salary overall, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they took back a lot less salary and they went from right up against the apron, which is the, the hard cap, um, to now they're about a little more than three and a half million below the tax. So they're, they're a good 10 million below the hard cap now. Um, and given that they're no longer, you know, any designs on contending for a title this year, I think have gone out the window completely. Uh, the odds that, that Tillman Fertitta is going to pay the luxury tax for this team, uh, are, you know, very unlikely unless a trade presents itself that's just so good. And there's so many assets coming back that it would be foolish not to, to pay some tax. Uh, my guess is the Rockets stay below the tax. Now, 
because they're 10 million below the hard cap, they do now have more room to, if they want to waive a guy, which by the way, I don't know if it's been announced that I haven't checked Twitter in the last hour, but I don't know if at at the time of this recording, whether it's been announced who the Rockets have waived, my guess is it's Chris Clemens. Um, but they do have to waive a player in order to complete this trade. Um, but so we'll assume that they do that, but they, they can, uh, they have more ability to waive guys and sign other guys for minimums. Hypothetically speaking, I know a lot of people get excited about this. Hypothetically speaking, they can waive someone and sign Gerald Green, although I'm not sure if they're going to do that right away. Um, they also have their, the rest of their non-taxpayer mid-level exception that they can use. Although my guess is that they'll kind of save that towards the end of the year, maybe the, you know, sign a guy like Mason Jones to a multi-year deal or something like that. But their, their avenues to spend if ownership wanted to. Uh, I don't know if they do though. And then also something to keep in mind is, you know, we'll, we'll see the final mechanics of the trade, but I believe the Rockets generated a, a, a pretty large trade exception here. Um, by my estimates, I think it's over 10 and a half million. So they can use that to acquire a player making up to 10 and a half, 10.6 million. For a, a, uh, calendar in a, year, a calendar year, right? From today? Correct. Now, that leads me to my next thing, which is whether or not they're going to even need a trade exception into the next league year because uh, the fact that they traded Harden, who had multiple years left, for both Oladipo and Exum, both of whom are expiring contracts, the Rockets are in a position to have a decent chunk of cap room this summer. Um, I, we're looking probably not super max room. Um, you know, they're not going to get Kawhi in free agency, I don't think. Um, but they can open up, you know, 22, 25 million in cap room, uh, without much trouble, uh, if they're willing to, to let Oladipo walk. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know what they do with that cap room. Uh, they may just re-sign all their own guys and use the, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception again. Uh, that might make more sense, but, but they do have flexibility to open up cap room. They could become a, a depository for bad contracts to get to accumulate more draft assets, kind of like Oklahoma City and, uh, and uh, Cleveland's done that in the last couple of years. Um, but the, the, the bottom line is there's, they've created more cap flexibility to kind of go in a number of directions. You know, wherever they're going is not going to be as exciting as where Harden was taking them a couple of years ago. Right. But they do have flexibility to go in a number of directions during their rebuild. Yeah, it's uh, history repeating itself, and we're going to uh, go through this again. And uh, to me, it's fun. I mean, we're, I'm going to be – I mean, I'm – you and I are both going to be Rocket fans pretty much for life. I think once, you know, we, we probably got started in the Akeem era. And if, you know, you saw Akeem, uh, you know, fade off into the sunset and you're still there, you're probably going to go through anything. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, you know, the bitter ending aside, I mean, James Harden was great here. I mean, he, he was amazing from the word go. I mean, they just handed him the ball. His first game, uh, you know, in, in late 2012, and and he just lit the world on fire. I mean, he was a superstar right away. I mean, if you remember when they made that trade, 
there actually was a lot of criticism. The Rockets gave him a five-year, $80 million deal, and, and there was so much dismissal of it because it was just a six-man. He was just a guy who, you know, could, could you know, Vinny Johnson give you a little microwave action off the bench, and he wasn't a superstar player. Even I didn't think he'd be this good. Um, but he just, uh, I mean, he was fantastic. And, and there were all kinds of uh, issues and problems year after year. This, the San Antonio game six, that was a, uh, obviously a, you know, a head scratcher that was hard to, to justify and, and, and some other um, playoff games or, you know, disappointing efforts, uh, you know, pushing out Chris Paul. There's some negative things, but I think overall, I mean, this is, as you said, the second greatest player to ever play for the franchise. Um, I think time will look back at his true greatness and it's going to be hard to have a guy on the team who just scores 20 points a game, you know, you're like, wow, that's about, you know, half of what Harden does. Um, and that's still pretty darn good. But yet we're, you know, just going to be kind of unamused because it's just not going to be the same. Uh, and so I, you know, I tip my hat to Harden for everything that he did for the Rockets. Did not like it all how he, how he, you know, left the team, how he forced this issue. But at the same time, you have to respect all that he did for Houston and, uh, now they, they look, seek out a new identity, new coach, new GM, completely pretty much new, new, uh, roster. And it's going to be changing all the time. So that's what the future holds for the Houston Rockets. I mean, they're, they, they did a good job setting themselves up for the future, but the present right now is there, there, there's the bar of expectations has crashed to the ground. So, uh, just enjoy it. And it's going to be a, a build process and, and it'll take some time. You may see some huge wall come up overnight, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, because they make some blockbuster move um, like they did to get hardened in the first place. But overall, it's just going to take some time um, to, to get the right pieces here. And, uh, you know, that's that's the hope right now. I couldn't have said it any better, Dave. Agree completely. I, in, a, in a shocking turn of events, I agree with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, we could close it there, man. I, like I said, it's it's disappointing. You know, I'm not uh, just trying to to justify it, but um, you know, it's it, at least we can now kind of watch um, the Rocket games and and you know know that that what you're seeing out there is the best effort that, that these guys have, and and they can make changes accordingly. There's not these other factors involved. That's David Weiner. I'm sure we're going to do this again here soon because there's probably going to be another trade coming up, maybe even before we publish this. So. Uh, but uh, thanks for doing this, man. And, and like I said, we'll do it again soon. Thanks as always, Dave.